your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 599 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. It is free and available on all platforms. That song you are hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends at Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And the Rangers last night, uh, let's see, that would be Wednesday night, coming up short in game one, in rally against the Carolina Hurricanes, falling 2-1 to one in overtime despite uh, being what I at least consider them to be the uh, better team for the first two periods, hands down, maybe even into the third period a little bit as well. Unfortunately, you know, the Canes kind of woke up, found their groove a little bit, got the equalizer, which is 2.25 remaining, and then just three minutes into the overtime period, about three minutes into the overtime period, 3.12 to be exact, you got Ian Cole, of all people, uh, scoring a goal, basically just ripping the puck at the net. It deflects off of Ryan Lindgren, and it goes in. And just like that, the Canes are up uh, one game to nothing. There's a lot of positives to take out of this game if you're a Ranger fan. You know, the one play that I think a lot of people are kind of harping on right now, and not everybody, but a lot of people are a little bit upset at Capo Caco because with about four or five minutes left in the game, the Rangers were up one to nothing at this point. He had a rebound go right to him and just an absolutely wide open net. Capo Caco or really any player in in the NHL is not going to miss this shot very often, but unfortunately, he just put it wide of the far post, missed the empty net. Rangers still up only one to nothing at that point. And then, of course, Sebastian Ajo ties it, like I said, which is 2-23 remaining in the contest. So it's really, really unfortunate. And I'll be the first one to say Capo Caco's got to bury that shot there. But I'm not going to come on here and pile on to Capo Caco uh, for a lot of reasons. For starters, that's just not really our style on here. You know, we're kind of glass half full. And uh, to me, I really believe a team wins and loses together. Uh, but beyond that, you know, the kid line was far and away the best New York Ranger line on the ice in this game last night. And... You know, they created more scoring opportunities than anybody else. They were tenacious on the forecheck. I thought Capo Caco won uh, a lot of board battles. You know, again, this is the the growth that we've seen from Capo Caco. He wasn't really, you know, a beast along the boards like he is now. I mean, he goes in there and he fights for the puck. He had a couple of strong drives to the net, some really crafty passes, uh, a couple of, you know, really hard shots that went on goal as well, came close to scoring at least once or twice. Uh, but he was firing on all cylinders. And it's interesting because... You know, you look at the Rangers, the series against Pittsburgh, and then also this first game here against the Canes, it feels like at no point in the playoff run, at least as of yet, have all four Ranger lines really been clicking at the same time. You know, you had early in the Penguin series, it felt like, again, the kid line was probably the best looking line for the Rangers, you know, in the first couple of games against Pittsburgh. Then I thought they kind of got quiet toward the end. Uh, not much from them in game six or game seven. Not really a whole lot in game five either. Uh, I mean, nobody played well in game four in that series against the Penguins. But that's where, you know, we had guys like Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad really step up game six and seven. That's when they really kind of came alive and the kid line kind of faded a little bit. Then in this game, you know, it was right back to where it was at the start of the Pittsburgh series. I thought the kid line looked great quiet night for Mika and Kreider, and you could even throw Vitrano in there as well, uh, at least offensively. I will say the Rangers, as a team, defended better than they did in the entire series against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Their zone clears were better than they had been uh, the entire 
first round of the playoffs. I thought they won more 50-50 pucks in this game than maybe they did. Once again, during the entire series against Pittsburgh, they were good on the forecheck overall. You know, certainly the kid line was. I thought they were strong along the boards. And... They did just about everything to set themselves up to win this game. Unfortunately, you know, they scored the early goal. Lafreniere to Philip Heedle makes it one nothing. Rangers 7-0-7 into the contest. Looked like the Rangers, especially in the first period, also in the second period, had a good amount of opportunities to really build on that lead. And of course, we already mentioned the Capo-Caco situation where he didn't score in the third period. The Rangers had a lot of chances to, once again, take a multi-goal lead here. Unfortunately, Antti Ranta made some nice saves for the Carolina Hurricanes, kept them in the game, and... uh Rangers just couldn't quite hold them off. You know, Sebastian Ajo ties the game in the third period. The Rangers were really back on their heels for the last 10 or 12 minutes of regulation there. Even so, though, I, I thought this was one of those games where the Rangers were going to kind of bend but not break. You know, they would ultimately be able to hold off the Canes and maybe even win this game one to nothing, but just wasn't meant to be. You had uh, a couple of really nice passes by the Canes on the game-tying goal, Tara Vinen to Jarvis to Sebastian Ajo, and... Igor Shesterkin, who was very, very good in this game, made a phenomenal left pad save against Ajo. Unfortunately, Ajo was able to get to his own rebound and basically just tuck the puck home, tie the game at that point. And then, like we said, Ian Cole in overtime uh, with a deflection off of Ryan Lindgren's stick and into the net. Uh, but that's something else that I think is very, very encouraging about this game. Once again, they played excellent team defense, better than they have in any of their playoff games thus far. Igor Shesterkin stopped 24 of 26 shots. He was very, very sharp in this game when he needed to. He didn't really have to do a whole lot in the first two periods, and that goes back to, once again, the Rangers playing the type of team defense that we got used to them playing after the trade deadline this season and something that they kind of got away from, at least during parts of the opening round against the Pittsburgh Penguins. But the Rangers played great defense in front of him. And even when, you know, the Canes started to produce a couple of scoring opportunities in the third period, Igor Shesterkin was up to the challenge and made a lot of really nice saves to keep that one nothing lead intact for as long as he could. And in some ways, I think that's even more impressive. I mean, it, it could be debated, but in some ways, I do think it's somewhat more impressive that Igor Shesterkin could have, you know, kind of... Uh, fairly easy first period or two. I mean, there was one really nice glove save that he made. I think it was in the first period, but besides that, not really tested in the first two periods. But then, you know, the Canes start peppering him a little bit in the third period, and he comes up clutch, and he makes all these excellent saves down the stretch here. Really thought the Rangers were going to be able to hold them off between, once again, the strong team defense and Igor Shesterkin having his A game. Unfortunately, just was not meant to be. But that's a really, really encouraging sign uh, going forward in this series as well. Once again, uh, the fact that they defended, but then also the fact that Igor Shesterkin was fantastic when the Rangers needed him in this game. And when you look at the two goals that the Canes scored, the Ajo goal, I mean, Igor made an excellent left pad save, full extension, keeping the puck out. Unfortunately, the Rangers weren't there to clear Ajo out of the crease. You know, he got behind the defenseman. I believe it was Truba and Miller who were on the ice at the time and was able to, once again, bury his own rebound. So that was one of the Canes' goals. And the other one, I don't think there's any goalie in hockey that's going to stop this one. You know, Ian Cole just threw the puck at the net. And once again, uh, Lindgren looked like he was trying to, you know, block the shot, which is something else that the Rangers did very, very well in this game. But unfortunately, deflected off of his stick, went into the net. There's not a whole lot you can do there. And uh, just like that, the Canes... Win game one in overtime, so a disappointing loss to be sure. But again, I'm not ready to hit the panic button, not even close. I will say it does feel like a missed opportunity. I talked about that in our Locked On Now that we do, you know, the video that we post on Twitter after every game, win or lose. And the reason it feels like such a missed opportunity is, again, all the things that I just mentioned, combined with the fact that, you know, I don't think the Canes were at their best in this game, not by a long shot. I thought maybe the Canes would win game one, then the Rangers would come back and win game two. 
just by the fact that the Canes had an extra day of rest. They're at home. They're a fantastic team to begin with. And the Rangers might be a little bit, you know, drained from uh, just a crazy series against Pittsburgh and having to win three in a row to keep your season alive. I thought this was all set up for a Canes win and then the Rangers responding with a game two win. And you'd go back to New York tied at one game apiece. I just thought the Canes might have a little bit more jump in their step. And that was definitely not the case in this game. What's unfortunate and what feels like a little bit ominous, you know, again, I'm not ready to hit the panic button or anything like that, but it's just the simple fact that the Canes were not at their best and the Rangers let them win anyway. That is certainly unfortunate. Uh, this game was the Rangers for the taking. Unfortunately, the Canes kind of stole it in the last couple of minutes there and in the overtime period as well. But we're going to continue breaking this one down, talk about a couple other positives, a couple other highlights and lowlights from this game in just a second. But first, I just want to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by Bilt Bar. I love brownies, but you know what I love more? Brownie batter. And if you're a brownie lover, you're in luck because Bilt has a new creation and this one is better than ever. The brownie batter puff. You heard me right. This puff takes protein bars to a whole new level and they're available right now at Bilt.com. Have you tried the puffs yet? I'm not sure what you're waiting for. Puffs are a chocolate-covered marshmallow protein bar. That's right. Delicious flavored marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. With 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 7 grams of sugar, brownie batter puffs are the perfect pick-me-up for any day. And they are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. The brownie batter puffs will have you completely forgetting that you are eating a protein bar. No need to pinch yourself. This is real life. Go to Built.com to get brownie batter puffs right now. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Something else that I found interesting about this game, and it's kind of indicative of how the game unfolded and how well the Rangers were playing, but you look at the distribution of time on the ice among the Ranger forwards, it's about as balanced as uh, you'll probably ever see. The Rangers were basically rolling four lines and just letting everybody go out there and do their thing and just play smart, solid, good defensive hockey. But when you look at time on the ice, uh, the discrepancy between the Ranger who had the most time on the ice and the Ranger with the least time on the ice is probably about as small as you'll ever see. Uh, Mika Zibanejad ended up with 19 minutes and 12 seconds. He had the most time on the ice. And uh, Ryan Reeves, 11 minutes and 23 seconds, had the least time on the ice. So uh, obviously the Rangers were letting everybody get their shifts and guys were playing well. And uh, Gallant didn't see a reason to you know, force certain players under the ice for a crazy amount of time. Everybody was chipping in and, again, playing good defensive hockey and uh, putting the Rangers in position to win this game. I did want to talk a little bit more about the kid line the night that they had, and I figure we might as well start with the goal that they scored, what turned out to be the only Ranger goal of the evening. And this was just a brilliant play by Alexi Lafreniere uh, making this whole thing happen here. So basically, uh, the Rangers, the puck is in their zone. You know, Igor plays it along the boards, and this goes back to what I was talking about before. Just uh, simple plays, getting the puck out of your zone, clearing it very efficiently. The Rangers just worked it up the boards there, eventually got it into the neutral zone. Now, Tony D'Angelo is on the Rangers' side of the red line. He goes back to get the puck, and he picks it up with his back toward the Ranger net, and again, right around the red line with his momentum taking him uh, back across the red line to the Hurricanes' half of the rink. And at this point, Alexi Lafreniere absolutely baited this guy. He absolutely uh, anticipated the pass that D'Angelo was going to make and took full advantage of it. 
So D'Angelo, like we said, you know, he's just picked up the puck. He's got his momentum taking him away from the Ranger net. Lafreniere was there, and apparently he knew exactly what Tony D'Angelo was going to do with this puck, probably before Tony D'Angelo knew what he was going to do with this puck, because Lafreniere at first, you know, was kind of giving D'Angelo the pass back to uh, D'Angelo's defense partner, and... Just like that, as soon as D'Angelo went to make the pass, Lafreniere closed on it, intercepted the puck clean, and then started up the ice into the Carolina zone. And at that point, you know, the chase is on. You know, D'Angelo's trying to catch him from behind, and you've got Kako and Hedl also jumping into the rush here. Lafreniere is one-on-one with the other Carolina defenseman, and Lafreniere brings it in up the left side and eventually makes a cross-ice pass for Philip Hedl, and Hedl puts his puck into the net before Ranta can move quick enough to his left to uh, close off the near post. Uh, so just an excellent play by Alexi Lafreniere, anticipating what D'Angelo was going to do with the puck, intercepting the pass clean, and then making a perfect pass to Philip Hedl, who took care of the rest once again, uh, finishing from the doorstep there and giving the Rangers a one to nothing lead. And that was just setting the stage for what was going to be a great night for the kid line. It wasn't too long after this where they had a really nice shift where they nearly made the score two to nothing. Uh, you had the Rangers taking a face off in their own zone, and it looked like the Canes won it, but Philip Hedl got to the loose puck very quickly and led the rush the opposite way. You've got Hedl passing to Kako on the right side. Kako moves across the slot area, you know, to his left, and it looks like he's going to shoot, and maybe he even should have shot in this situation. You know, he was in pretty prime real estate there, but instead, he made a backdoor pass back the other way to Philip Hedl, who's at the side of the net, and Hedl's going to score here. It looks like he's going to get a second goal, give the Rangers a 2-0 lead, a phenomenal left skate save by Antti Ranta, moving hard to his left. Uh, this was the best save of the night to this point by either goalie, and maybe ended up being the best save of the night. I mean, Igor Shesterkin made some nice saves, so he might have something to say about that, but uh, a fantastic save here. And again, it could fall under the category of one pass too many, but I can't really fault Kako because he made a perfect pass. The net was wide open for Philip Hedl, and the only thing stopping this puck from going in was once again an absolutely phenomenal save. The Rangers on this shift did everything but score, and Again, just a fantastic night by the kid line. This shift started in the Rangers zone, and as soon as the puck is dropped, Philip Hedl is right on top of it and leading a charge into the Carolina zone. And again, fantastic scoring opportunity here. Just a better save by Antti Ranta. We're also going to highlight a spectacular play by Keandre Miller in this game, as well as talk a little bit about the fourth line, and specifically Tyler Mott, who has really made a positive impact on this Ranger team uh, since his return to the lineup in Game 6 against the Penguins. We will get to all that and more in just a second. But first, just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, I want to go ahead and talk about the Ranger fourth line a little bit. We're going to start with a play that happened near the end of the first period, uh, right at the end of the first period. In fact, Rangers had a chance once again. This was a theme here, uh, another chance to extend their lead. They were not able to do it, but you had Tyler Mott driving hard to the Carolina net. He passed to his left to Ryan Reeves. Reeves 
takes a shot. The save is made. Reeves gets another chance that was also stopped by the left pad of Antiranta. This fourth line is just so much better, so much more dynamic, seems to play with just a better pace uh, when Tyler Mott is on it. And that's nothing against Dryden Hunt. I realize that, you know, obviously, uh, you know, he kind of overachieved this year, but this just feels like such a better group with Tyler Mott as a part of it rather than Dryden Hunt. Uh, playing in the offensive zone for a good amount of the game, creating a little bit of offense, playing physical. Uh, these three players, Rooney, Reeves, and Mott, combined for nine hits on the ice despite you know not getting a ton of ice time. And with Tyler Mott, I mean, this guy's a buzzsaw. He had a play uh, late in the second period as well where, once again, the Rangers nearly made it a 2 to nothing lead. Uh, he was just fresh off the bench, and he had Mika Zibanejad making a centering pass to Mott. Uh, Mott received the pass right on the doorstep, tipped it just wide of the net. And I'm telling you right now, Tyler Mott, before it's all said and done for the Rangers in the playoffs this year, he's going to have a big moment. I don't know if that's going to be, you know, scoring a goal, uh, dishing out a key assist, doing something crazy. You know, maybe the maybe the Canes end up with like a five-on-three power play and, you know, Tyler Mott ends up blocking a few shots and clearing the puck out of harm's way and, you know, preserves a Ranger one goal lead. He's going to do something really, really big at a certain point. He's going to have a moment for the New York Rangers. They didn't really get him for points or anything like that. And, of course, he only played in a handful of games in the regular season for the Rangers before he was taken out with an injury against the Pittsburgh Penguins in the final regular season matchup against them. Uh, but, you know, the Rangers didn't really get him for his points. That's the long and short of it. But I do think at some point, again, he's, he's going to do something big. I can just kind of feel it. It's on the way for Tyler Ma. He had a couple chances in this game. I think sooner or later uh, he's going to have his moment in this New York Ranger playoff run. But either way, uh, strong night for the Ranger fourth line. Tyler Mott also very, very valuable on the penalty kill. Of course, that didn't really come into uh, the equation because there were only two penalties called in this game. They were both just a couple of minutes into the game, and they overlapped. You had Niederreiter taking an offensive zone high-sticking penalty against Adam Fox, and then just 27 seconds later, Ryan Strom taking an offensive zone penalty, uh, tripping Jacob Slavin. So uh, we didn't really get to see Mott do his thing on the penalty kill, which is obviously a good problem to have because it means the Rangers stayed out of the box. But again, just an invaluable player for this team and uh, somebody that I could not be happier that he's back in the floor. We weren't sure that he was going to come back. You know, he got hurt near the end of the regular season, and I don't think a whole lot of people thought that he'd be back in the series against Pittsburgh, came back in Game 6, and has already proved uh, to be a valuable player once again uh, to this Ranger team. Something else that I thought was interesting, uh, Ryan Lindgren had to leave this game for a small amount of time near the end of the first period, and the Rangers, again, for a short amount of time, were forced to go with five defensemen. What I thought was interesting about this, though, when Lindgren was out of the game, they actually put Keandre Miller and Adam Fox together, and they put Jacob Truba with Justin Braun. And when the Rangers were without Ryan Lindgren for a few games in the Pittsburgh series, and even when he had to come out of, I think it was game five for a short amount of time, uh, the Rangers would end up leaving Miller and Truba together and putting Justin Braun with Adam Fox, which at first glance I think is the way to go. But Adam Fox at times in that series just wasn't his himself. And I think, uh, you know, at a certain point, the uh, temptation to put Adam Fox with Keandre Miller, especially when Ryan Lindgren is not in the picture, probably just too great for Gerard Gallant to ignore. And, uh, you know, obviously, I, I just thought that was kind of an interesting solution to the issue when Ryan Lindgren was not available for a small part of this game. Lindgren's a warrior. He was absolutely an unsung hero 
first of all, of just the entire New York Rangers season, but more specifically, that series against Pittsburgh. He made a noticeable difference uh, getting back into the lineup in Game 5 and helping the Rangers tighten things up a little bit and ultimately win the series. Uh, but yeah, Lindgren last night, despite missing a little bit of time here, ends up with 18 minutes and 24 seconds of ice time. That was fourth among New York Ranger defensemen. And speaking of Ranger defensemen, I have to talk about this play that Ke'Andre Miller made in the second period. This was just awesome to watch. You've got uh, Rangers leading one to nothing at this point, obviously. I mean, they led one to nothing for almost this entire game. Uh, but you got Seth Jarvis moving in up the right side, and he's kind of behind the defense a little bit. Miller's, you know, taking an angle, trying to step between him and Igor Shesterkin. And, you know, I thought that's what he was going to do, just kind of try to block his path to the net. Instead, he skates over to Jarvis and just destroys him, just lays him out with a big hit, knocks him down to the ice. That's one way of breaking up a scoring opportunity. And uh, what a play by Ke'Andre Miller. And, you know, we keep saying on here and a lot of analysts around, you know, the league, they keep saying that, you know, Ke'Andre Miller, man, this guy is going to be special. This guy is going to be a star. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. He could be an all-star. I think we're already there. Ke'Andre Miller, present tense, is a star in this league. I mean, this guy, again, look at the way he played against the Pittsburgh Penguins. I thought definitely the Rangers' best defenseman in that entire series and basically picking up right where he left off in this game as well, going over and just completely single-handedly short-circuiting a scoring opportunity for Jarvis by just knocking him straight down to the ice. So that was awesome. Uh, Keandre Miller, you know, ever since he came into the league last year and was uh, a surprise addition to the Rangers' opening night roster, he's always had a certain amount of confidence about him. But I think now there's almost like an attitude that comes with it where this guy, I'm good. I know I'm good. I'm going to come out here and I'm going to be a, a big part of why the Rangers are going to win this game tonight. And we've seen him play more physical as the, uh, I was about to say the seasons have progressed. It's only two seasons. But ever since Ke'Andre Miller came into the league, we've seen him uh, establish himself as, you know, a more physical player. And maybe some of that is hanging out with Jacob Truba quite a bit because, you know, Truba's an old school player himself, plays a lot of snarl. And those two have been partners pretty much ever since Miller came into the league. I mean, maybe there's times where they haven't been together, but pretty much this entire season, those two have been connected to hips, and rightfully so. Uh, they make a heck of a duo. And again, just a fantastic play by Ke'Andre Miller here. And as far as him, uh, you know, man, he's going to become a superstar. He might already be there. He really might. We might have to start, like I said, talking about that in the present tense. Now, as you guys know, I'm big on the face-off stats, so this is something that I wanted to call some attention to. The four regular season matchups between these two teams, the Canes won 57% of the draws against the Rangers. They are an excellent uh, face-off team, and in this game last night, the Canes won 59%. So this is an area where I just can't see the Rangers winning this battle. I mean, I know they're going to do everything that they can. They've got some guys that can win some face-offs. You know, Mika Zibanejad, that's an area of his game where he is really really worked to improve. Unfortunately, he only won 35% of his draws in this game last night. But again, I just don't see a way that the Rangers win that battle. So that's going to be uh, an area where they're just going to have to overcome losing the face-off competition. And hopefully it's a situation where, you know, they don't get absolutely killed in that department every single night. And maybe they win the clutch face-offs, you know, the ones you really have to have. One goal game in the third period with the face-off coming in either zone. Those are the ones that you really want. So hopefully the Rangers, you know, they might not win the majority of the face-offs, but hopefully they can find a way to at least win a good chunk of the ones that really, really count. The Rangers in the third period again had a chance to increase their lead to two to nothing. And, you know, we already talked about the one where Capo Caco missed the empty net. He had a chance here as well. You have Lafreniere basically just exploding up the right side, makes a centering pass for Capo Caco. Caco, it looked like, got pulled down, and the Ranger bench was incensed. You know, they they really thought that there should have been a call here. The referee was catching an earful. I got to be honest, though, guys, when I watched the replay of this, it looked like Caco just kind of lost his footing, stumbled a little bit. 
I'm sure it looked bad to the Ranger bench, but I got to say, this was actually a good no-call on the part of the officials here. Kako just uh, kind of lost his balance a little bit while going hard to the net. Uh, then there was a situation, and this goes back to what I was talking about, where Puck Luck was on the Rangers' side, and I just thought that, you know, it was the Rangers' night, and they were going to be able to hold them off. There were a couple of instances here where the Canes got some chances in deep. Uh, Niederreiter got a breakaway. He got behind Braden Schneider and was in all alone. The Puck glanced off of Igor's arm after Niederreiter took the shot, and it rings off the crossbar. This happened with about 7.30 left in the game. Fast forward about four or five minutes, and you've got another situation where the Canes get behind the defense. This time it's Sebastian Ajo, and he puts his shot off of the post. And it wasn't too long after this. In fact, I believe it was the same exact shift where Ajo did indeed tie the game once again, getting behind the Ranger defense. So they played excellent defense for probably about 45 to 50 minutes in this game. And uh, unfortunately, the Canes uh, kind of got their game going and created some scoring opportunities down the stretch and eventually cashed in here when Sebastian Ajo once again got behind the defense. Igor with a fantastic save, but Ajo puts his own rebound into the twine. And then you, of course, have the overtime period. And again, this didn't last very long, but even in the overtime, and even though the Rangers had given up a late goal in regulation, I still thought like this was going to be their night. Yet a good opening shift in the overtime period by the Mika line, some sustained offensive zone time. And then the Panarin line ended up jumping onto the ice. They kept it going. Uh, once again, a lot of time in the Carolina zone. Yet a good defensive play by Ryan Lindgren against Nietzsche's. But then completely out of nowhere, once again, Ian Cole, just the puck comes to him. He throws it at the net. And uh, off of Lindgren's stick into the net and 3-12 into the overtime period, Carolina wins the game 2-1. to So again, it feels very much like a missed opportunity. That's the phrase that I keep coming back to, but I don't think it's panic time. I thought the Rangers did a lot of really, really good things in this game. Uh, they skated better than the Canes for pretty much the entire night. Good defensive hockey. Igor looked sharp. Igor looked like the guy that is certainly going to win the Vesna trophy this year, if not the Hart trophy. And... Just a good effort overall. I think the top six has a little bit more to give. You know, they played well defensively, sure, uh, but I would like to see a, a little bit more offense, a little more scoring opportunities coming from the top six. If the kid line can continue to play the way that they played in this game and the usual suspects start producing some offense, then I think the Rangers have a very, very good chance of winning this series. But forget about the series. You got to bounce back with a strong effort in game two. I think the Rangers will do that. Once again, this is a resilient bunch and a team that seems to always play its best when they're coming off of a disappointing loss. And this game one loss certainly qualifies, especially when you consider that the Rangers had the better of play for the majority of the evening. But that will pretty much do it for today, guys. We are about to have our 600th episode, which is most likely going to come in the form of a crossover episode with Mr. Jared Ellis from Locked on Carolina Hurricanes. It's always a good time uh, talking hockey with Jared, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. In the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NHL. From second-round matchups to each Stanley Cup kiss, Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.